and welcome to the 57th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimers. Heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. Today we're covering the films of Eli Roth. He's an actor, director, producer, and writer, so I'll try to include most of the movies he's been involved with in some capacity, but I might miss a few. Roth is most famous for his torture porn movies, uh, but he has done other things as well. We'll talk about that a bit more in a second. Uh, Directing gigs. He did Cabin Fever from 2003, where he served as director, writer, and producer, and also had a small acting part. Hostel, 2005. He also served as director, writer, producer, and also had a cameo. Hostel Part 2, 2007. He served as director, writer, producer, and had a cameo again. And then... Thanksgiving 2007, this is actually uh, a faux movie trailer that appeared during the Grindhouse films, and he served as director and writer of that, and it's pretty fun. Um, You can check it out on YouTube. It's like two minutes long. The Green Inferno from 2013, he served again as director, writer, and producer. Hemlock Grove, also 2013. This was a pilot for, I think it was a sci-fi TV series. He served as director and executive producer. And um, that was one crazy series. Uh, I watched all of it. Uh, it It was definitely different. Then another movie from 2015 called Knock Knock. This is a psychological thriller starring Keanu Reeves. And Roth served as the writer, director, and producer. And then another TV um, pilot, which was South of Hell from 2015. He served as the director and executive producer. This, um, I think there were eight episodes of this show total. Seven of them appeared on the day after Thanksgiving on WeTV. So I don't think many people, including myself, knew anything about this series. Uh, But it was about a woman who... uh, was possessed by a demon, but she also was an exorcist. So she's trying to keep her demon in check while at the same time exercising other demons. So interesting premise. Uh, Death Wish 2018. Roth served as director only. And um, we'll talk a little bit more about this later. Uh, Bruce Willis starred in this version. And lastly... The House with a Clock in Its Walls from 2018. This is a fantasy slash horror PG rated movie, and it is Roth's highest grossing movie to date. He served as director and plays Com- Comrade Ivan. Now, on to some acting and other gigs. Uh, 2001 Maniacs from, tw- from 20. 2005, he served as producer only and also played uh, a small role. Death Proof, which is one of the Grindhouse movies from 2007. He played a character named Dov. Uh, probably his most famous acting role was Inglorious Bastards from 2009, directed by his friend Quentin Tarantino. Uh, he played Donnie the Jew Bear. Um, 
and he won a Critics' Choice and SAG Award for his portrayal of Dobby. Uh, the Last Exorcism from 2010, he served as producer only. Aftershock from 2012, he served as writer and producer and also had a role in that movie. The Man with the Iron Fist from 2012, he was writer, producer, and had a cameo. Uh, let's see. The Last Exorcism Part 2, 2013, he served as producer only. Clown from 2016, served as producer and also played uh, Frowny the Clown. And Cabin Fever 2016, I know we already went over one thing named Cabin Fever, but this is a remake. Roth is listed as a writer and executive producer, and this remake is almost a shot-by-shot remake of the original, so this and uh, Psycho are very similar in that way. Um, I wasn't sure why they remade this movie when the other one hadn't been, you know, hadn't been that long before the other first movie had been made. But Roth, after hearing an interview with him, said he wanted to see what another director could do with the same source material. So that's Cabin Fever 2016. Also, he did co-producer Baywatch 2017. He's done Eli Ross History of Horror, where he serves as a host, interviewer, and executive producer. So this is where he interviews, he or someone else um, on the show interviews uh, important figures in horror movies. Uh, It's available on Shudder, and uh, it's a Shudder original, and uh, you can also listen to it on podcast. And then lastly, Haunt. From 2019, he served as producer only. Um, Haunt is about some people who go to an extreme haunted house and end up with more than they bargain with. So that's basically the movies he's been involved with in TV series. Um, Where to find these movies? Green Inferno, Aftershock, and Cabin Feeder 2016 are available on Netflix. Death Wish is available for free on Amazon Prime. Um, Hostel and Hostel 2 and the original Cabin Fever are on HBO. Haunt is available on Cheddar. Knock Knock is on Hulu. Clown is available on Tubi. And The House with the Clock in Its Walls is the hardest one to find out of all of these. It's on Amazon for $15 or for free if you sign up for a Showtime trial. Everywhere else it's listed is like 15 bucks each, so YouTube, Google Play, and Vudu. Um, I did not want to sign up for a Showtime trial or pay $15, so this is the only movie that I did not see uh, in this series. Uh, there are a number of clips available, though, on YouTube if you want to check it out and see if it's something you're interested in. Rotten Tomatoes scores. Cabin Fever 2003. Critics gave it a 62. Audiences gave it a 44. Aftershock, Critics 39, Audience is 24. I don't think many people even knew that movie existed. Cabin Fever 2016, not rated by critics. Audiences gave it a 12. So obviously they did not like the remake. Uh, Hostel, the first one, Critics gave it a 61. Audiences gave it a 53, so that's pretty high. Hostel Part 2, Critics 44, Audiences 39. The Green Inferno, Critics 37, Audiences 30. Knock Knock, uh, Critics 37, Audiences 20, Clown, Critics 46, Audiences 37, 
The Cabin Fever remake from 2016. Critics gave it a zero with 28 critics reporting. And audiences with 660 reviews gave it a 12%. So obviously they did not like the remake. Um, Death Wish. Critics gave it a 12. Audiences gave it a 72%. So that is uh, the movie with the biggest difference between the two of his movies. And lastly, nope, next to last, The House with a Clock in Its Walls. Critics gave it a 66, audiences gave it a 45, so that's one of the highest ratings. And then Haunt, uh, critics gave it a 71, audiences gave it a 100% with 8 reviews total. So that's highest is Haunt, next highest is House with a Clock in Its Walls, and then followed by the first Cabin Fever movie. So plot. I'm just going to briefly go over the plot of these and um, give you the highlights. There's really too many to go into great detail about. This gives you a ballpark what they're about. Uh, IMDB says for Cabin Fever, five college graduates rent a cabin in the woods and begin to fall victim to a horrifying flesh-eating virus which attracts the unwanted attention of the homicidal locals. And that's really basically the plot. You'll find out in most of these movies, uh, the plot is not really uh, that intricate. It's very straightforward. So the teenagers um, succumb to the illness one by one. We learn fairly early that the problem, even though they throw some red herrings in there, that the problem is actually the lake water. So some of them drank the lake water. Some of them swam in it. Um, and that is what's connect, contaminated and causing this issue. I also, since I've seen so many zombie movies, expected these people after they succumb to uh, this virus to like turn into zombies, but that didn't happen. They just, uh, their skin rots off of them and they die or they have to be put out of their misery. Uh, one of the guys who had not drank the water runs into the woods with some beer and then hides there until... Uh, everyone else dies, and then he comes back, and in a throwback to the last scene of Night of the Living Dead, he is shot by the police who think he's infected. Uh, so that's a bummer after he survived. Um, in the final scene, there's a kid's lemonade stand back at the general store, which they first visited at the beginning of the movie, and everyone is stopping there to buy some lemonade, but they don't know that the kid actually used the lake water to make the lemonade so it doesn't look good for anybody there and also there is a, a water truck heading out of town um, for parts unknown and all of that contains contaminated water as well um, and then we'll talk about the other I think cabin fever 2 and cabin fever 3 when we talk about uh, trivia but we learn in Cabin Fever 2 that the truck is actually headed for high school, uh, who's having its prom. And then the 2016 remake, as I said, is almost shot by shot, so I'm really not going to talk about that much. There's a few minor differences, uh, but let's save it for trivia. So, Hostel. IMDB says three backpackers head to a Slovak city that promises to meet their hedonistic expectations with no idea of the hell that awaits them. So Paxton and Josh, two friends, head to Slovakia to meet some chicks and party, and they're joined by an Icelandic dude named Ole. Ole. 
But of course, people start disappearing. And Paxton, first it's Oli, then it's Josh. Pa Paxton eventually figures out what's going on. The girls that they were partying with are part of a murder club called Elite Hunting. And they charge $5,000 for Russian, $10,000 for European, or $25,000 for an American. And the, so they kidnap the people, they take them to this old abandoned factory, and the buyer can do anything they want to the person, but they must be killed in the end. Every person that's a member of this club has a um, tattoo from Elite Hunting Club, which is a bloodhound. And Paxton um, ends up going to the factory to before he knows what's going on. Then a guy chops off his fingers. He almost dies. Uh, he eventually is able to escape. He finds uh, the Japanese woman named Kana, I think is her name, who they had known from the hostel. She has her eyeball uh, out of her head and is dangling, connected by whatever eyeballs are connected with. So that was a pretty gnarly scene. Um, so he grabs her. He hightails it out of the country. He's ready to get on a train to go back, but Kana sees a, a reflection of herself and decides that she can't go on and she throws herself in front of the train. Um, oh, and before they get to the train, he sees, while they're driving in the car, the three people that were part of the club uh, that killed his friend, so he runs over them with a the car. Uh, it looks like one or two might be dead. We're not sure what happened to all three of them. And then he... When he gets to the, I guess it's the train station, he sees the businessman that they met when they were coming into town. And he was one of the, he's the guy that killed his friend, Josh. Um, so he follows him into the men's room and then uh, kills him. And so Paxton is the only one that survives uh, till the end of the movie. And that's the first hostile. So in the second hostel, IMDb says three American college students studying abroad are lured to a Slovak hostel and discover the grim reality behind them. So this is the exact same location in the same hostel, except this time, instead of three guys, it's three girls, Lorna, Whitney, and Beth. Um, and this time, the kidnapped victims go to the highest bidder. So the, you heard the cost of the first hostel, so this one's just whoever has the highest bidder. Uh, and remember Paxton, who survived from the first movie, he is living in a house with his girlfriend. He's still having nightmares about what happens. Um, she goes into the kitchen at breakfast time and finds him there. His head has been decapitated while he's sitting at the breakfast table, and his cat is licking his bloody stump where his head used to be. So that's the end of Paxton. He didn't survive too long. Um, and then we later see Paxton's head in a secret trophy room of elite hunting club leader Sasha. So anybody who escapes, apparently he sends someone after to chop off their heads. In this movie, poor Lorna um, is kidnapped. She meets a guy who's really nice. They go for a boat ride and she is kidnapped. Uh, while naked and hung upside down 
and a woman comes in who has like a uh, whatever you call it like a little uh, bath underneath him underneath her and she is sliced with a sickle by the naked woman and her blood spurts out onto this person uh, a la Madame Bathory style so if you don't know about Madame Bathory definitely look her up but she if if the stories are true she killed hundreds of peasant girls and bathed in their blood because she believed that their blood helped keep her uh, looking young and they couldn't do anything to her because she was an aristocrat and so they eventually walled her up I think in her own castle where she survived however many years and died. So that was a pretty rough death. Uh, and Lorna was the person that I liked most uh, of these three girls. So the second girl named Whitney is tortured uh, by one of the other members. He accidentally slices off her face with a saw and then refuses to continue uh, with a, uh, what do you call it, a power saw. And he is there with his one of his friends and he's telling him you know they're both really hyped and he seems to be the bad guy but then it turns out that the guy that he's with who seems like a nicer guy is actually worse than him so poor Whitney is sold to one of the other uh, killers as damaged goods at a discounted price and then when the guy refuses to continue and to kill her he gets on the elevator, but they release the dogs on him, and the dogs eat him. Because, as we heard before, you, in order to fulfill the contract, you have to kill the person at the end. So that leaves poor Beth. Uh, Beth, we think that the good guy's going to let her go, but nope. He's a lot worse than her. She ends up turning the tables on him and um, ends up having... Uh, his junk in a pair of scissors, or I think it's a pair of scissors, and then the people that are running the um, show come down, and they're going to shoot her, but she says that she is actually very wealthy and that she can transfer any money to them that they want in order to get released, and they say, well, a death has to occur, um, and she said, fine, and so she snips off his junk, and feeds it to the dogs and ends up getting the elite hunting club tattoo and then she's out of there so she manages to survive she uh, teams up with a group of street kids um, who we saw in the first movie we're calling them the bubblegum gang and she lures Excel, who is the friend that brought her and her friends there in the first place and it turns out that she is actually just procuring people to be killed so the bubblegum kids corner her in the, I guess it's a park, and she chops off her head. So that's the end of that movie. So we have one survivor. Um, there's a Hostel 3, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, but we do not see Beth again. Um, in this franchise. So next up, Green Inferno, IMDb says, a group of student activists travel to the Amazon to save the rainforest and soon discover that they are not alone and that no good deed goes unpunished. Again, the story is very straightforward. So some kids with good intentions, uh, but who are uh, delusional 
delusional in my opinion about how life really works, uh, end up traveling to the Amazon and they are going to chain themselves or handcuff themselves to some trees uh, in order to keep them from leveling the Amazon. Um, so it actually works. None of them get killed, which is surprising. And then when they are on, uh, so they also um, take videos of themselves, and so they go viral uh, and are posted a bunch of places. So they get on the plane to come back. It's just a small plane, and the plane has some issues and crashes into the rainforest. Several of the people are killed uh, right off the bat, but the survivors are captured by the tribe who were the people that they were trying to protect. Um, and then one poor guy is eaten almost immediately because uh, these are a tribe of cannibals. And uh, then the rest are thrown into a pig cage and they try to plot their escape, but uh, nothing seems to work. Um, in the end, one of the girls slashes her throat. Uh, one of the girls who was her girlfriend had tried to escape and we didn't see her again. But then when the rest of them were eating some food while they were in the pig cage, she sees at the bottom of her bowl, a piece of skin with the girl's tattoos on it. So she knows she's dead. So she can't deal with it anymore. She slashes her throat and... Then they're like, well, she's dead anyway, so they take some pot that they have and they shove it down the girl's throat and attempt to try to get them um, high enough so that they can escape. So everyone else tries to get out except for the main guy who is really a jerk and holds one of the guy's legs so he can't get out because he's worried that if he's the only one there that he's going to get eaten. So... um and unfortunately, uh, the guy that he captured ends up getting eaten by, eaten by the tribes people because they all have munchies after they eat the body that has the pot in it. Uh, and then that just leaves two people who are trying to escape um, and ends up that the girl Beth is the only one who manages to escape and that's because she had some help of one of the uh, boys that was a member of that tribe and when she gets back to the U.S. Um, oh at the end she runs into those people again who are sawing down the forest and tells them that she's recording them and then because she's all painted to look like a tribes person and they don't know that she's not uh, that she's a U.S. citizen and she uh, manages to get rescued she goes back to the u.s where her father works for the u.n and tells them that the tribe uh, helped her survive and she doesn't mention that they ate the other people um, so one of the reasons that the tribe's people initially ate them was because they were wearing the same jumpsuits that the people that were cutting down the forest were wearing and so they really didn't know the difference between them and everybody else and then at the end, when they come back again to saw down the forest, everyone in the tribe, including all of the women and children, run to try to help and are slaughtered by the um, workers. And, um, yeah, that's basically what happens there. Um, we'll talk about a little bit more in trivia. Uh, next up, the movie Knock Knock. IMDb says a devoted father helps two stranded young women who knock on his door but his kind gesture turns into a dangerous seduction and a deadly game of cat and mouse. 
as I said, this or if I didn't say, this stars Keanu Reeves. Um, I don't think many people have seen this movie. It's considered a psychological thriller. It's actually pretty good. Um, and this guy, while his family goes off somewhere on vacation, he has to stay home to finish a project. And that's when these two girls turn up at the door. And then uh, bad things start to happen. Uh, but you can watch it just to see what happens. Next up, Death Wish. IMDb says Dr. Paul Kersey, who's played by Bruce Willis, is an experienced trauma surgeon who has spent his life saving lives after an attack on his family. Paul embarks on his own mission for justice. Um, so what happens is he's at work. His wife and daughter are at home. Some people break in to rob the house. They, the girl tries to escape. They end up killing the mother, and then the girl is left in a coma. And then he decides that he is going to hunt down the people who uh, hurt his family and get rid of them. And lastly, the house with a clock in its face. IMDb says a young orphan named Lewis aids his magical uncle in locating a clock with the power to bring about the end of the world. So, um, the uncle is played by Jack Black. The, um, there's a next-door neighbor that's played by Kate Blanchett. And then, uh, he goes to live with his uncle, and then all sorts of craziness starts to happen. So that's basically what happens in those movies. Now, on to trivia. Next up, trivia. I have some general trivia first before we talk about each of the movies. So, Eli Roth is included in a group called the Splat Pack, who is known for their extreme, violent, and bloody horror movies. Uh, and that's, of course, a variation of the Brat Pack from, I guess, the 1950s uh, that had, what, Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr., Dean Martin uh, in it. Uh, 2013, Roth received the Visionary Award at the Stanley Film Festival. He is often a common, uh, commentator on DVDs uh, and about other horror shows and has a, a vast uh, knowledge of TV and movie trivia. Uh, in 2004, Tarantino called him the best new American filmmaker, and I think that's before they became friends, and now they've both worked on each other's projects. Um, Roth owned a Vegas attraction called the Goratorium, which was a self-guided horror experience, but it filed for bankruptcy in 2013. Uh, you can see videos about it on YouTube. It looks like a lot of fun. Too bad it's closed. And there are lots of other great interviews and podcasts about Eli Roth to be found on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, at that talk about his uh, growing up, how he got interested in making films, his time in film school, uh, and a lot of the behind-the-scenes type of things. So on to trivia about the movies, Cabin Fever. Roth wrote most of Cabin Fever while he was working as a production assistant for Howard Stern's film Private Parts, and it's uh, based on when he contracted a skin infection while riding ponies at his friend's farm in Iceland in 1991. Cabin Fever was produced in 2001 with a budget of $1.5 million and sold to Lionsgate in 2002 at the Toronto International Film Festival for $3.5 million. 
This was the biggest purchase at the festival that year, and it went on to become the highest grossing film of the year, earning $22 million in the U.S. and $35 million worldwide. There is also a Cabin Fever 2 Spring Break from 2009 and a Cabin Fever Patient Zero from 2014. Uh, both of those movies pretty much sucked in my opinion. Uh, Roth has written a screenplay for a sequel to Cabin Fever, but Lionsgate refused to bite, and instead they asked, I think his first name is Ian West, uh, to direct. And when the movie was extensively re-edited, West asked for his name to be replaced by Alan Smithy, which we know from uh, previous episodes is what directors use as an alias if they don't want to be attached to the project anyway. Unfortunately, he was not currently a member of the Directors Guild, and so they wouldn't let him do that. But he has disavowed the movie, or disowned the movie. Uh, this, um, The second one is about a high school prom where the water's contaminated because it's from that truck that we saw uh, leave at the end of the first movie. And it's really very gory um, and not very good in my opinion. Cabin Fever 3, Patient Zero, takes place in the Caribbean. It's a prequel, and the most memorable thing about this movie is Sean Astin, who was, of course, in Lord of the Rings, and Bob in Stranger Things, stars as a guy who's quarantined. A fourth film called Cabin Fever Outbreak was supposed to be filmed back-to-back with Cabin Fever, Patient Zero, but that was scrapped, and, um, yeah. So that's the last of those, at least for right now. Uh, the, and the plot for Patient Zero was some friends are going on a bachelor's party to an island where bad things happen. There is a side-by-side comparison of the original Cabin Fever and the 2016 movie on YouTube. It's about 10 minutes long, so there aren't a lot of differences because it's almost a shot-by-shot remake, but um, there are a few. So check it out there. Um, crew member Robert Jones took home a decapitated head but from the set, but he was stopped by police at a checkpoint and he was held at gunpoint until they determined that it was not a real body that he had. So that sounds a little uncomfortable. Um, the Dennis Bite pancake scene was added when Roth found out that the child actor Matthew Helms was a real-life Taekwondo black belt. Uh, that's one of the strangest scenes of the film. If you recall, Dennis is a kid who's sitting on a bitch out in front of the general store when they first arrive, and he just out of the blue bites one of the guys um, and then later does some sort of karate move. So that was, that was strange. Uh, and then one of the differences between that and the later movie is the kid is wearing like a little rabbit mask made out of a paper plate um, and he again bites the guy, but this time he also shows up at the very end of the movie when one of the guys, the last guy surviving, is laying in the woods. He shows up behind him. So, uh, Ryder Strong, who wandered into the woods when covered with blood during one of the takes, uh, was accosted by a bunch of schoolgirls who saw him and learned he was the star of Boy Meets World from 1993, and they chased him for a while before he escaped, and then he decided to stay on set going forward. Um, 
Joey Kern was rushed to the hospital with four different eye injuries. This disrupted the schedule, so in numerous what should have been daylight scenes in the cabin, they were actually shot in the middle of the night. Eli Roth originally intended to play Deputy Winston himself, but Giuseppe Andrews got the part instead. And Randy Perlstein is uh, credited with co-writing Cabin Fever. He was roommates with Roth and helped him with the original script back in film school. He, however, was not on the set during the filming or helped in any of the rewrites. The film was shot a month after 9-11, and the cabin is actually part of the Boy Scouts Camp Rabin Knob in Mount Airy, North Carolina, and the general store is really a store called Pretty's General Store in Hartman, North Carolina. Uh, Green Inferno trivia. Roth was married to the lead of Green Inferno, Lorenza Izzo, from 2014 to 2018, and they met on the set of Aftershock. Green Inferno is based on the movie They're Making in Cannibal Holocaust, which is a movie inside a movie, and the name of that movie is The Green Inferno. Ariel Levy, who plays the student group leader, Lorenzo Izzo, Ignatia Alamon, um, Nicole Martinez, Matias Lopez, and Ramon uh, Leo, L-I-A-O, Leo, were also all in the movie Aftershock. I like that Roth uh, reuses many of the actors uh, for different movies, like uh, we talked about last week, Rob Zombie does, and also Ryan Murphy does a lot. Roth approached villagers to see if they would serve as extras, but they had never seen a movie before. So he got a TV and a copy of Hannibal Holocaust and showed them the movie. And apparently they loved it and thought it was a comedy. And so they agreed to be in the movie. Everyone in the film was vaccinated for yellow fever and upon their return from the jungle was treated for parasites. Temperatures sometimes topped 110 degrees during film shooting, and this caused members of the Peruvian camera crew to quit. And this is the third movie of Ross' Travel and Punishment trilogy, along with Cabin Fever and Hostel 1 and 2, which uh, they had originally intended to be shot as one long film. Unlike the original Cannibal Holocaust movie, no animals were injured in this film. And Lorenza Izzo actually almost drowned during the crossing the river scene. She screamed for help, and the crew thought that it was part of her performance. Uh, They finally figured it out before she actually drowned, but some of the footage ended up in the film. That's pretty rough. Hostel was Roth's second film, and it was made for $4 million. It grossed $80 million worldwide, and... made another $180 million on DVD. The story is set in Slovakia, but the exterior shots were shot in the Czech Republic. Roth hired real street kids to play the Bubblegum Gang. Uh, Hostel was rated number one on Bravo TV's 30 Even Scarier Movie Moments. And Empire Magazine voted Hostel the best horror movie of 2007. The slaughterhouse scenes were filmed in a non-working part of a mental hospital in Prague, and it had been closed for 50 years. 
150 gallons of blood was used in the filming. Roth issued a formal apology to the Icelandic Minister of Culture for making them appear to be drunken and sex-starved, uh, i.e. the character Oli. Uh, I don't know if he did the same thing with the uh, Slovak government because they were definitely not happy about his portrayal of their country, uh, especially since they rely a lot on tourism. So I'm not sure what ha happened with that part of it. Uh, Jan Viasak, who played the Dutch businessman, didn't know any English and so learned his lines phonetically. And Slovakian actress Barbara Nedeljakova, N-D-E-L-J-A-K-O-V-A, gained a large male horror, horror following after this movie. And Seski Krumlov, which is the city that they filmed some of the scenes in, actually has a torture museum similar to the one that they had in the movie. The music during the combined sex scene was a combination, uh, a version of Britt Eklund's music from The Wicker Man, which we covered in an earlier episode. And when Josh is on the floor after having his Achilles heel sliced, his screams are, in some cases, real because he actually split his toe in half, uh, his toenail in half, when the chair fell on it. So that's rough. Um, the trailer for the movie is billed as the film is, quote, inspired by true events. As we know, they always put this on movies to try to get people to watch them. Uh, Roth said that he saw something about a murder vacation in Thailand, which listed trips at $10,000 each. And so uh, he was not sure if that was real or not and wasn't able to find it when he went back to look for it again. There is an alternate ending to this film in which Paxton kidnaps the Dutch businessman's daughter, takes her aboard the train, and then slices her throat um, to avenge his friend's death. Now on to Hostel 2. Hostel 2 cost $10.2 million to make. It grossed $17.56 million in the U.S., $35 million worldwide, and another $50 million in DVD uh, VOD sales. Roth received complaints about female nudity in the first movie, so he made sure that the first nudity you see in the second movie is a guy, and that's someone uh, posing nude for the sketch art class. Several actors or directors came out of retirement to take minor roles in Hostel 2. They included Ruggiero Diodato, who is the director of the original Cannibal Holocaust movie. He makes a cameo. Edwig Frenetch, who plays the professor, and Luke Miranda, who plays the detective. The brothel scenes were filmed in an actual brothel called Big Sister, which let customers have sex for free as long as they agreed to wear a condom and agreed to be live-streamed to paying subscribers. Um, the site closed in 2010. Hostel 2 was nominated for six Spike TV Awards and included Best Film and Director. It was on Entertainment Weekly's list of Best Horror Films of the Past 20 Years. There is a Hostel 3, but Roth was not involved. Instead, it was directed by the producer of the first two movies, who is Scott Spiegel. It went straight to DVD. 
Uh, this time, the action is moved from Slovakia to Las Vegas, where four friends attend a uh, bachelor party uh, and get into all sorts of trouble. And this time, they are betting on the types of torture um, via something called the Wheel of Misfortune. And they also have uh, elite hunting party members behind a glass where they can watch the torture from a like a, a nightclub setting. Uh, that film was okay. It wasn't as bad as I thought it would be, but it just really didn't have the kick that Ross other films had. I think because the location of being you know stuck in a uh, different country and not knowing the language and not knowing who you can trust. So it wasn't bad. It just wasn't great. Next up, Knock Knock. Knock Knock is based on a 1977 movie named Death Game that stars Sandra Locke and Colleen Camp. And both had a part in the later movie and Camp had a cameo as neighbor Vivian. The newer movie also stars Roth, now ex-wife, Lorenzo Izzo, uh, Lorenzo Izzo as one of the two girls, Genesis, um, that ends up crashing his house. And then the other girl, Ignatia Alamon, was also in Green Inferno. And there is an alternate ending to this movie in which Evan tracks the girls to another house. He does this via the pet tracker that his dog Monkey was wearing uh, because they kidnapped the dog. And Monkey is a French bulldog. And Kinu, of course, has been in lots and lots of other movies, including uh, Too Many to Announce, Bill and Ted's Excellent, Excellent Adventure, um, The Matrix, and most recently John Wick, in which he stars as a guy who gets revenge on people who kill his dog. On to Death Wish. Death Wish is also a remake of an earlier movie that's based on a book, in the book, Paul is the CPA, and in the 1974 version of the movie starring Charles Bronson, he's an architect, and in this one, of course, Bruce Willis is a surgeon. This movie was originally slated to star Sylvester Stallone, uh, but he had to leave to work on other projects, and other actors considered for the lead include Liam Neeson, who also has another, like, a. Uh, uh, revenge uh, movie franchise, Russell Crowe, Matt Damon, Benicio Del Toro, Will Smith, and Brad Pitt. Willis learned how to fire a Glock by watching a YouTube video called Full Metal Tactics. And to show what a small world it is, Charles Bronson was considered for the role of John McClane in Die Hard from 1988, which of course ended up going to Bruce Willis instead. There are four sequels to the 1974 movie, all starring Charles Bronson. So they include, besides the original Death Wish, Death Wish 2, Death Wish 3, Death Wish 4, The Crackdown, Death Wish 5, The Face of Death. And this version of Death Wish takes place in Chicago. It previously took place in New York. Now, the house on a clock in its wall, since I did not watch the movie, I did not include a trivia here. But if I didn't mention it already, we have Jack Black, who is starring as the uncle. Uh, Kate Blanchett, who is his next-door neighbor. 
and there are a number of different clips on YouTube if you want to check it out and see if the movie sounds like something you're interested in. Um, I will say this is the highest grossing movie uh, of Roth's thus far, and it is the only movie rated PG. So it's more a, a kid's, um, you know, not hardcore horror, horror fantasy type movie. So why should you watch these movies? Well, if you're not a um, gore or torture porn fan, I'm not sure you should watch uh, Hostel or Cabin Fever. Um, but if you are, uh, those are definitely some of the best examples of those genres. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan of torture porn, but I, I did enjoy um, especially the first Hostel movie, uh, and I thought it really had something to offer. Um, Roth is one of those people that, uh, no matter what he makes, I like to check it out. So he's one of the directors I follow. So besides him, we have Rob Zombie, who we talked about last week, and Mike Flanagan, who's another director that I like to see everything he's done. Recipes. In honor of Roth's character, Donnie the Bear Jew from Inglorious Bastards, I wanted to include some of the best Jewish foods. Uh, this is definitely not all of them, but a few that I saw on the website SpoonUniversity.com and, uh, let's see, TooLazyToWriteABook.com. Uh, the second site lists 40 foods. The first one lists 10 foods. So number one is bagels and locks with cream cheese. If you ask the average person on the street what uh, to name a Jewish food, my guess is this would be the one they would name. So everybody loves a good bagel. Um, Lodkas, which are potato pancakes, sometimes served with applesauce. Matzo ball soup made with matzo meal is one of my favorites and is an excellent variation on regular old chicken soup. Um, Challah. Challah is bread uh, traditionally baked for Sabbath, and it is uh, twisted, twisted bread. Uh, chopped liver and gefilte fish might be two acquired tastes. I'm not sure how most people feel about those. But everybody loves brisket. And everybody loves deli sandwiches such as corned beef and pastrami. Uh, we also have nish, which is mashed potatoes wrapped in dough. We have Hebrew national hot dogs, which are delish. We have kreblok, which is a ravioli or stuffed pierogi. Uh, blintzes, which is a variation of the crepe, which we talked about some crepes in um, one of our previous episodes. Uh, noodle krugel and babka. And babka is another type of bread. It's chocolate bread. So just a few of the foods there. Uh, my favorite of this list, definitely matzo ball soup. But there are uh, there's some other really good ones on here too. And I never turned down a good bagel. Okay, where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilm.podbean.com. So that's it for this week. I'm anxious to see what uh, Roth works on next. And until next week... Make sure you don't end up in any uh, strange hostels. 
or in a cabin in the woods. If you do, don't drink the water. Um, and until then, stay safe, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.